the glory days are here to stay, the 80s horror show. Take a stroll down memory's lane, it's time to start the show. The gory days, the gory days, the gory days, the gory days. The gory days. Oh, welcome to the gory days. Mm, the show where we take a stroll down memory lane to remember mm, our favorite horror movies from the 1980s and mm, early mm, 1990s. Mmm, oh, we're just so extravagant here on the gory days today. Talking about a very opulent movie. Mmm, and don't worry, I'm not going to keep this voice up. Hi, it's Kyle. Welcome to the gory days, the show where yada, yada, yada. Mike's here. Hey, how's it going? How's it going? We got a great show for you today. We were talking about the nineteen, oh, uh, yeah, the nineteen ninety-two um, movie Society. But Society. I thought, th- Mike, I thought this show was the gory days—the show where we talk about our favorite, where we take a stroll down memory lane to remember our favorite horror movies from the nineteen eighties. And early 1990s? Oh, that's right. There is a little bit there about the early 1990s. Well, viewers might, or listeners rather, might be interested to hear that this movie falls into both of those categories. Really? Completed in 1989, Society was actually released in America on Thursday, June 11th, 1992. What's with a three-year gap? Wow. It was... Uh, it like post-editing or... Well, what happened was it was released at a uh, film festival. Um, Give me just... Let's see here. Society premiered at the Shock Around the Clock Film Festival in London in 1989. Society was a success in Europe, but was shelved for three years before getting a release in the U.S. That's really odd. Was it filmed here? Uh, yeah, it was filmed all over Los Angeles and Beverly Hills, very, very near here. In fact, it was filmed, the high school was in uh, Van Nuys. Uh, so why do you think they waited so long? I have no idea. Well, they just, I can't even think. I bet it's because the British are not as squeamish with their Amer- with their uh, physicalities and bodies and things, and maybe they just wanted to wait until us Americans matured. <laughs> Three years, that's what it's going to take. But yeah, this movie was filmed all over uh, Los Angeles. The Wrigley Mansion was a location in Pasadena. The high school, as I mentioned, is the Birmingham High in Van Nuys. Oh, wow. That's, yeah. that's where I went. Oh, really? Well, right next to it. What's the mascot? Um, I don't know. I think it's like a Patriot thing, if I remember correctly. But I went to the school right next to it. Interesting. Uh, And then it was also filmed in North Hills here in Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah, You see a lot of like Beverly Hills uh, stuff the cops are wearing. Yeah, it's Beverly Hills Academy is the school that they go to. And uh, I thought it was Beverly Hills High, which exists. It's up in the Hollywood Hills. But this is a little more closer to us peons. Um, but it is supposed to be totally evocative of that, mm-hmm. the, like, you know, higher echelon. I see. Um, so let's see. Yeah, it was, uh, released in 1992, directed by Brian Yuzna in his directorial debut. Listeners might recognize his name from, uh, Reanimator. He was the producer of the HP Lovecraft, uh, interpretation, the, uh, 1980s movie Reanimator. So if for this... He, this was his directorial debut. He made a two-film deal to make sure that, well, if I'm going to make a movie, I want to make sure that I get at least two out of this nice. to establish myself Lover. as a new director. You know, you don't want to just have one under your belt and then disappear into anonymity for 30 years. So... After having several of his productions fail for lack of finding a director, Brian Yuzna decided to move into directing. As producer of Reanimator from 1985, he held the rights to a sequel and knew he could find financing. It 
Reanimator did a great job, and we'll probably do that on this show in the future. Right. He used this as leverage for a two-picture deal, the first of which turned into Society, and the second was Bride of Reanimator in 1990, which I have not seen, but it's got good reviews. Maybe we'll touch on that. So Reanimator was his first film. Mm-hmm. And no, he- Reanimator was a movie he was producer on. Okay, he was a producer on that, and he held that hostage to get two director jobs? Or he held that? the sequel hostage, yeah, because oh, he, he had uh, the rights to a sequel as mm-hmm. well, and he knew that that could get made, but right. he didn't want to be a producer anymore. Mm-hmm. He wanted to make sure he directed it. Right. Uh, this sounds this is more fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah I think so. Uh, definitely you get more, I don't know, options in Hollywood, but this sounds really familiar. I can't remember. Maybe if uh, listeners want to chime in and tell us who else has a story like that where they turned editor or either producer into directing by kind of just like you know negotiating like a really uh, a good negotiator um i've heard people will hold uh scripts hostage like uh first times like uh screenwriters who had a really good script that was like uh in a bidding war and they would hold it hostage for like okay i want to direct this um i get that and uh like for the boondock saints i know that oh happened. really yeah. like boondock saints the sequel you mean no i think the first one even oh yeah Cool. Yeah. So There's some other movies like that, but I don't remember right now. No, I get it. Yeah. Creative. I mean, creativity. It's. It, it, I find it interesting the relationship between the creatives and the executives, who, in my mind, don't know really how TV or movies work. They just are there because of their experience and their ability to negotiate creatives and all of that. So yeah, anything. The I, suits. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. Anything I can learn about the relationship between the creators and the suits uh, fascinates me. Brian Yuzna was shocked that the film was ignored and died after its small run in the U.S., but the film became a hit in the U.K., and Yuzna has stated that he's pleased the film's developed its own cult following in the U.S. I've definitely seen this movie on top countdowns, maybe on Watch Mojo on YouTube or some other things of, like, top ten body horror movies, Mm. if only for that final scene at the very end. But, yeah, this movie represents why I started doing this podcast. It's a horror movie that... That like almost leans into black comedy at some mm-hmm. points, especially yeah, yeah. in the third act and the finale and all of that. It's definitely, um, lots but, of comedy sprinkled throughout, and yeah, yeah. Uh, to discuss the legacy of this movie, there's no sequels or anything. A sequel uh, was in development called Society Two: Body Modification, with a script written by Stefan Biro, but apparently that's just disappeared into the ether because Scottish comic book company Rough Cut Comics acquired the comic book rights to Society in 2002 and produced an official sequel. And then the comic uh, returned in 2003 with Society Party Animal by writer Colin Barr and artist Shelby Robertson on issue one and Neil Cameron from issue two. I would love to see those. I mean, I love comics. I love horror. I love horror comics. And I love this movie. I feel like it would be a match made in heaven. It's 1980. Oh, sorry. Is is that movie a live action one or is that like animated? It was a comic book. Oh, just yeah, yeah, a comic book. They mm-hmm. didn't do any. No, they never made a, a a film sequel. They just have this. The comic book is an official sequel. Gotcha, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it came back for uh, a third one, I guess. Um, society Party Animal. So for those of you counting at home, it goes Society, Society Two, and Society Party Animal. Which the last two are comics. Yeah, comic books. Yeah. The year is 1992. 
George H.W. Bush is president, and we're listening to Jump by Crisscross. Cross. Uh, some popular movies at the time would be Unlawful Entry, directed by Jonathan Kaplan and starring Kurt Russell and Ray Liotta. But Batman Returns is also in theaters, star, uh, directed by Tim Burton and starring Michael Keaton, Danny DeVito, Michelle Pfeiffer, and our very own Christopher Walken. Yeah, as baby. Shrek, or Shaq, or whatever his name is. But yeah, seriously. Shaq, baby. It's something like that. Yeah. yeah. On TV, we're watching Fast Forward, directed by Sidney Poitier. And just now on home video, we've got Highlander 2, The Quickening, Beethoven, and The Butcher's Wife. Mm. It's a great time to be alive. And before we get into the recap, I'm going to rattle off some of these taglines, unless you had anything else you no, want no. to say. In Beverly Hills, what you fear is only the beginning. You are what they eat. If you don't belong, they'll eat you alive. It's not what you think it is. It is a matter of good breeding, really. And it's all about fitting in. But uh, without further ado, let's just get right into the recap. We're going to do things a little bit differently today. We're going to read from the Wikipedia plot entry. Um, unfortunately, I don't think anyone is credited for this entry. Otherwise, I would credit them. Um, but at the very least, I think we'll make sure to give Wikipedia a couple bucks. From the gory days. But uh, yeah, as we hear things in the plot, uh, we'll chime in and interject with uh, things that we might have noticed or remembered. But here we go. Bill Whitney seems to have it all. His family is wealthy and he lives in a mansion in Beverly Hills, California. He's popular at his high school, looks to be a shoe-in for class president, has a cute cheerleader girlfriend, and owns a new Jeep Wrangler to drive around in. Despite this, he tells his therapist that he does not trust or fit in with his high-society family. When his sister's ex-boyfriend, Blanchard, gives him a syrup... Oh, excuse me. A surreptitiously recorded tape of what sounds like his family engaged in a vile, murderous orgy... Bill begins to suspect that his feelings are justified. We'll stop there because I wanted to talk about Blanchard's intro. Uh, like the movie starts with what kind of seems like a dream sequence, but instead it's just a, a weird like foreshadowing of what's to be. Um, he's uh, Bill's in the therapist's office and he takes a bite of that gross apple and oh, there's yeah. worms in it and stuff. Uh, and then it like slides into his eye for the title sequence. But Blanchard is. Uh, the the boyfriend of uh, I, I I put it in here right yeah, what, what ex I said the ex boyfriend of, uh, yeah his sister's ex boyfriend yep. um yeah so right off the bat we've got our main characters introduced here Bill Whitney played by Billy Warlock uh Bill's mom uh, Nan Whitney played by Connie Denise Doctor Cleveland the therapist played by Ben Slack Milo um Billy's or Bill's best friend played by Evan Richards and his sister Jenny Whitney played by Patrice Jennings while Jenny is starting the movie off with some female body objectification right off the bat she drops uh, her earring and that's when we see Blanchard in the uh in closet. closet yeah yep. and then the parents kick him out and so Blanchard played by Tim Bartell is introduced as like this hanger on clingy yeah. ex-boyfriend who just can't take a hint um and even worse he like broke into her bathroom right. and was like a peeping tom we of course find out later that he was putting a microphone on her uh uh, earring, and that's probably you know why the parents were didn't like him that much because they probably suspected yeah, that you know, he knew something. Yeah, 
because I mean they call him out later. Mm-hmm. But we see Bill Whitney uh, coming in, well, kicking him out. I said female objective body objectification, but it's something that the movie uh, I think does an interesting thing with in that uh, there's a little bit of male body objectification oh, sure. in this too. Um, specifically, let's bring back '80s basketball shorts, people. Look how wonderfully short those are when you can see every beautiful little hair on his thigh wisp back and forth as those short, short, short legs toss so carelessly in the wind. Let's bring those uniforms back. By the way, if you're trying to imagine Bill Whitney, he looks a lot like Michael J. Fox from uh, Yeah, that's uh, a good Marty McFly kind yeah, of he's skinnier like a, a little bit and uglier. Yeah. He's like an uglier yeah. Michael J. Fox without any of the the charm. Um. So yeah, uh, in this interaction, this very quick interaction, we get an idea that Bill's parents just don't like him at all. They practically ignore him in this unreal way that it says, oh, is that your friend? Yeah, he, and then they're done. They're done listening. They turn around and <laughs> he's their son. And granted, they're both blonde and he's brunette. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know anything about genetics? What's the yeah. obvious thing there that they right. should all be picking up on? So yes, um, being blonde is a recessive gene and if both your parents are blonde, you need to be blonde. I mean, genetically speaking, you will be blonde. Uh, unless there's, if there's um, yeah, you can't have anything else. They're both the recessive genes. As soon as there's one dominant gene, yeah, it'll... it's the same thing from uh, Game of Thrones that uh, Eddard Stark, I think, figures out, and it's like, oh, he bra- he learns genetics and figures out that uh, that uh, Johnson or um, that Joffrey couldn't be theirs or something like that. I can't remember, but it was the fact that two blonde people were getting together and had a you know a little illegitimate child. Um, I think uh, that was everything that I wanted to talk about here. This is a different format we're doing here, so I'll just keep going. Bill gives the tape to his therapist, Dr. Cleveland, to listen to. When he comes back for his appointment, Dr. Cleveland plays the tape back for Bill. So, yeah, that's it. Is um, They're at the beach, and uh, Bill has a girlfriend, Shay. Uh, what's her uh, name? Shauna. Shauna, yeah. His girlfriend, Shauna, is absolutely obsessed with going to Ted Ferguson's big party that's coming up. So um, we meet uh, Ted Ferguson at the beach there, who's uh, Ted, what is it? Ted the Tycoon Ferguson, (laughs) um, who is played by Ben Meyerson. We also meet Clarissa, Mm. another big, giant female body objectification moment after Billy tries feeling up his girlfriend in broad daylight uh, and she swats his hand away, uh, he bumps into Clarissa. He's at her feet and uh, she's the most beautiful, bodacious 80s girl that anyone could ever lay their, their eyes on. The same girl that was tantalizing him in the middle of his uh, oh, yeah. pres- class she's president speech, his him, debate. Uh, some inner thigh and oh, then yeah. some. A whole bunch. It's it's, <laughs> it's really racy. Yep. And I and there's, there's so many moments in this movie where there's big lulls where I forgot it was R-rated mm-hmm. and then something like that would happen and I would go, oh, crap. Or they would just say the F word. They would just lay it out <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, in, in a sexual way. Because right. I don't know if you know, but for people PG-13 movies, uh, they're allowed one fuck, but it cannot be sexual. It has to be a non-sexual fuck. Like, what the fuck? Or get the fuck out of here or something Mm -hmm. like that. And it's one. It's specifically one. Absolutely. Absolutely one. Um, But they can't say, like, I'm going to fuck 
you or sure. something like that because now that's that's suddenly Sexual. a totally different right. thing yeah um so uh, by the way they're supposed to be in high school but everyone's like 30 which oh, kind of makes it okay it totally, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah it's totally fine yeah. um especially the way god there is so much weird dialogue revolving around his sister uh jenny in this movie just just weird stuff and the fact that she's like 16 she's having her coming out party which uh is kind of an old-fashioned is, is thing. thing yeah it's an old-fashioned thing yeah. of like you know oh my daughter is ready to get laid and mm. let's all celebrate that and have a bunch of suitors come in and tell her how hot she is and how much we want to get with that while secretly i'm sitting in the corner wishing i could fuck my own daughter mm. like that kind of thing gotcha. Um, classic yeah classic so uh after we meet clarissa we meet clarissa's mom uh mrs carolyn played by pamela matheson in what i think is the most confusing role in this whole movie as carolyn's mom it's a comedic role i don't know she's easily comedic relief but she's just weird Mm -hmm. and for a while i thought oh she's like their alien muscle or something and i still don't know to this moment if she's an alien or not right she's kind of like the um from the Adams family, the big guy, <laughs> um, Lurch, yeah. yeah, where he can't talk. Right. The daughter, yeah, treats her weird. Anyway, so the tape that we're talking uh, that we were talking about, uh, uh, as we mentioned, the uh, ex-boyfriend Blanchard had put some uh, listening devices in the earring and car of uh, Billy's family of Bill's family. Only to find, oh my gosh, the weirdest discussion ever. The saying things like, um, "Oh, I remember my first coming out party." So you can do it with women and men. Oh, absolutely. And remember, first uh, someone your own age, then your mother, then with your mother and I, and then the host arrives. Uh, oh, your boobs are looking so great. Guys are gonna pop a high one when they see you. It's great seeing how far you can stretch, and the wetter you get, the more you can do it. <laughs> um I love that dialogue because out of context without knowing what the heck is going on it is the weirdest incestuous freaking like taboo thing ever and I wish I had didn't know the ending of this movie before going in cuz I definitely would have responded to that very very differently um but that's the tape uh, that he brings to Dr. Cleveland. When he comes back to his appointment, Dr. Cleveland plays the tape back for Bill, but the audio's now changed, and now simply contains the sounds of his sister Jenny enjoying her coming out party. On the original tape... Oh. On the original tape... Ted Ferguson was at the coming out party, and it sounded like he was being, like, murdered or eviscerated or something, and we couldn't tell what was going on. Uh, and now it just sounds like it was a normal party that Bill didn't get to go to. Bill insists that what he heard before was real and calls Blanchard to get another copy. I found some inter- interesting trivia. The scenes with the doctor in his office were added in post, uh, not in post, but were added after the script was written uh, on production. They were like, well, this would fit the narrative a little bit better and so knowing that there's a quality shift between when there are between the therapist scenes and the other scenes and it's most noticeable uh here when uh yeah he calls uh blanchard saying i'm gonna meet you somewhere and then it cuts to him driving in a car i can tell at some point the script just said oh and then he's driving and sees blanchard got in a car wreck um i like the way that they set it up here because it kind of makes it it kind of makes bill feel guilty because he was like hey hurry hurry so it's like maybe his hurrying is what caused the accident but blanchard's dead he got in a car wreck 
and there's blood everywhere and the ambulance is taking him away and a cop <laughs> i love this bill like invades the uh you can't call it a crime right. scene because accident scene. yeah exactly accident scene and uh takes the tape recorder starts getting his fingerprints on everything like who knows uh if if this is an foul play yeah yeah but it's our first taste into the fact into how deep the society goes the police are in on it and it's not that clear here but you know for the sake of argument he shoot the police officer just shoes him away we see him pop up two more times and he has a uh, an interesting line that i wanted to mention but one of the best parts is coming up Bill attends a party hosted by his upper-class classmate, Ferguson. Oh, wait. Uh, sorry. Before that, as soon as Blanchard was killed, he very understandably, Bill goes straight home to his sister to say, hey, I know you hated him, but he's right. dead. He's your boyfriend or ex. He's dead. Yeah. And the family doesn't care. They couldn't yeah. care less. They and just like fake, oh, yeah, he, I was really sad or something yeah. like that. And it's easy to, you know, write off as like, oh, they're just such elitist bastards that such elitist bastards that they don't they don't care about any kind of life that isn't, you know, one of their own, which, you know, we'll get into it as, as we talk about the analysis. But yeah, this this is a pretty topical movie. And I feel like if it was remade today, it would uh, have a very different uh, message. So, uh, at the when Bill is talking to his family, he gets an invitation to Ted Ferguson's party. Cha-ching! So Bill attends a party hosted by his upperclassman, upperclass classmate Ferguson. There, Ferguson lasciviously confirms that the first audio tape Bill listened to, with the sounds of an orgy on it, was the real tape. Dum dum dum. Angry and confused, he le- well Bill punches uh, uh, Ferguson. And then Ferguson says one of my favorite rebuttals to getting hit in the face. You are stupid. And they throw him into the pool. They say, if you make waves, you'll you'll drown. And they throw him into the pool. And he's all sad. And he's wringing his clothes out. And Clarissa comes over and schmoozes him up and takes him home. And they have sex. Yeah, she's got the weirdest lines in this movie. Oh, she's so weird. And he responds to them the weirdest. Like, you're weird, he says. Like, oh, your button's hanging on by a loose thread. Oops, Mm -hmm. see? You're weird. (laughs) Um, And then, so they do it. Bill gets laid and it's like full on like she you see her breasts you see his body um uh you of course you don't see anything good on him per you know movie regulation but uh given all of the like camel toe in like front and center this movie has at the beach scene it's like uh i don't know what point i'm trying to make there but it's just objectification on top of objectification but a funny trivia thing is that the actor billy uh bill warlock uh it was bill warlock right yeah bill warlock um didn't want to show his bare ass in this scene and uh, production had already been so backed up by the time they were filming this mm-hmm. that he was able to talk his way out of it with no problem like okay um, we don't have the budget for it and i'm glad because the like half frame that we see of it he's a gross butt it's gross i don't want to see that thing and i'm glad that it's not in the movie um but uh he experiences some weird like hallucination or like twisting her body something in yeah bed. and throughout the whole movie we we don't know if it's like in his head or if it's actually happening it's kind of like yeah, this like he psycho sees, thing going like, on american psycho I yeah say. like he sees a, a bubble boil on the back of his sister he sees uh well what were some other things like you've seen uh worms and stuff uh, like uh, yeah and dishes. he sees his sister like backwards in the bathroom at yeah. one point like she's all contorted um just weird things that's like oh am i going out of my mind um so they have sex it's amazing she offers to pee in his tea he says she's a class act you know typical stuff but right. uh just meanwhile flirting. shauna 
sees all of this or at least hears about it and knows that uh her friend was shauna's friend was at the party saw them leave together bill and clarissa told shauna about it and so they stake out uh out front um and you know just she's like oh i'm so mad i could scream but clarissa's mom comes home with a like a bunch of hair in her hand yeah like, and then like she shakes she his spits hand out of yeah. hairball mm-hmm. and puts it in his hand yep. and that is another moment where you're like is she eating people like yeah, is, yeah, is she an alien and then like she shoes her away and, and like uh bill is still trying to be respectful to her mom and uh, she's like she does things i don't like yeah kind of, uh, like okay. clarissa's mom she's weird and she loves hair mm-hmm. it's a weird thing that continues later but yeah it's weird comic relief uh, yeah mm-hmm. i don't i don't get it but i love it mm-hmm. bill returns home the next day and confronts his parents and sister who are all in the master bedroom dressed in lingerie that's a weird scene too uh not really much happens about it except that he calls his dad a butthead um he, <laughs> which would be is really important for later on oh it's so funny just the way that he's like uh uh i don't remember what the line is into it but he's just says like fuck you butthead don't talk to your father like that oh would you prefer copulation and then he gets a little closer and it's a really a great moment where he's like don't don't you touch me i'm I'm gonna move out of here it's like it's his dad adopted or not like it's his dad um that's that's uh there's a couple moments where like uh not giveaways but there are some like you know uh oh do you know my mother's maiden name too and clarissa says uh real or adopted um that kind of stuff Uh, i'll touch on that later in the analysis but at Blanchard's funeral, Bill and his friend Milo discover that Blanchard's corpse either needed a lot of reconstructive work for display or isn't real. Dum, dum, dum. They go over to it. It's in a temple, which I thought was cool. Blanchard's Jewish, and they bury him in a it's an Jewish... open casket. Mm-hmm, it's an open casket, despite touching him and his face caving in. Like, he's either made of fondant or like a porcelain... <laughs> yeah, they poke like uh, a finger and it goes like right through him. Yeah. Um, so then at the funeral, Bill is approached by Martin Petrie or Petrie, his rival for the high school presidency. And this guy, I love his character. He's like the Poindexter, like <laughs> extraordinaire. Um, he was, uh, Martin Petrie says he must speak with Bill and agrees to a secret meeting, promising that he has information about his family that he that he could tell Bill. Uh, so Bill agrees to meet him. Bill discovers Petrie with his throat cut. Bill is spied on and sees someone race off through the woods, but then Bill runs to get the police. When he returns with the cops and Clarissa, the car and the body are gone with a different car in their place. Right. And the police think he's high on something, of course. And it's the same police officer from before. Um, I don't think I have any notes for this. Also, Clar- he just happened to walk into Clarissa, which I thought was kind of weird. Yeah, he walks all the way out of the forest from wherever Makeout Point is. He manages to get all the way back to Clarissa's house to call the police, and that's when they get there. Yeah, it's, it's weird, the geography of this town. The next day at school... People are expecting another debate, and Billy comes up on stage and says, Hey guys, Petri's not going to be here. And everyone's like, what? And he's like, he's dead. And everyone's like, what? And then Patrick gets up on stage. And he's yeah, like, um, like yeah. does anybody want to explain what's going on here? Mm, did I do that? Uh, and, and everyone's like, oh, my God. Ah, that's so funny. What a crazy idiot Billy must be. Bill must be. I keep on calling Billy. He runs out of there, and uh, his friend Milo stops him before he drives away in his Jeep Wrangler to tell him that 
it's him who's been planting all of, so we've seen these moments where uh every time he gets to his car there's a or like to his locker there's been a shrunken head in his locker there was a ken doll with a screw stuck in it there was a, a blow-up doll with a barbie in its mouth um much to the chagrin of his uh girlfriend after they confront each other that's probably coming up yeah so the he planted these small pranks, which was kind of messing with him more on top of what he's going through. Yeah, so. but most importantly, Milo saw what Bill saw. He saw someone running through the woods with Petri in a bundle, and he said that person was Ferguson. And so, thank God, thank yes. God Bill has someone that believes in him, because it's just this long, long, oh my God, is he going crazy? Is anyone going to believe him? Is, is everyone in on it kind of conspiracy uh, paranoia? Or am I crazy? Yeah, seriously. Yeah. When Bill arrives at home, uh, Milo is outside to like kind of just you know observe the situation. Bill confronts his family, but... With Dr. Cleveland's help, they drug Bill. There's there's medical people there. The men in white jackets come to take yep. him away. They, they sedate him. They and... sedate him and they take him away because he almost ruined everything, they say. Um, as Milo secretly trails him, Bill is taken to a hospital. Bill awakens in a hospital bed and thinks he hears Blanchard crying out, but discovers that nothing's there. And he snaps. Bill is done at this point. He leaves the uh, hospital and finds his Jeep waiting for him and Milo, who tries to warn him, but he drives back to his house because he's just like, they want me to be safe. This is all. He's, he's going cuckoo bananas at this point. And uh, so. So much so that I thought like, did they clone him or something? Like that? I thought that too. One, yeah. There was a weird moment where I was like, oh, they got him. And now he's a fake one and we're going to shift our narrative to Milo or something. And I thought that's what was going to happen. But not the case. Because here we go. Back home again, Bill finds a large formal party. He's snared by the neck. And Dr. Cleveland reveals all of the secrets he's been searching for. <clears throat> he's not really related to his family after all. In fact, his family and their high society friends are actually a different species from Bill, not aliens. He makes that very clear that they've been here as long as humans. Terrestrial. To demonstrate, they bring in a still-living Blanchard. The wealthy party guests strip to their underwear and begin shunting. The rich literally feed on the poor, physically deforming and melding with each other as they suck the nutrients out of Blanchard's body. And turn him like into this goop, like Bubba, uh, Jabba it, the Hutt, like thing. It's amazing! <laughs> it's amazing! This is what body horror is all about. Oh, it's so cool! We're, oh, and it's just this slow, disgusting. There's lube on everyone, and that first shot of Blanchard's ass and the fingers digging into his skin, and like the the people's mouths sucking on him and turning into like these weird like. Susian things uh, until it's just this this orgy. It's that's literally yep. it. It's an orgy. It's just hands and moist and everything until they start blending into each other and they're. Uh, it's like the thing. It's like how the thing would. Uh, I guess in the prequel, how it would just like kind of stick its face onto you, and now its capillaries are fused into your arteries, and and there's no way to separate you without causing damage, and and it's it's just nasty, and it's. So so great because it's all buried or not even buried it's all dressed around this metaphor for the rich eating the poor literally sustaining their wealth from the life energy of poor poor blanchard who in the biggest nastiest climactic moment gets 
fisted all the way up through his mouth and tore. Oh my God, it's amazing. It's amazing. Their intention is to do the same to Bill. But after escaping them and running about the house, seeing his family melding with each other as well upstairs. Oh my God, do you remember the, the, the family? And like that weird, it's so weird. She, It's like they split. Right. Uh, he, the, so, or joined a little bit too. Yeah, so the mom, dad, and the sister are upstairs. And the mom has combined with the dad and the sister. We've got the mom's torso on top, head, arms, torso. But the legs, are the dad's hands and where her genitals would be is Jenny his sister's face uh, if you have any Oedipal uh, uh, fantasies you might want to act on them now <laughs> um, and then uh, what's supposed to be I imagine like a, a big uh, moment is uh, the dad pops out from under one of the covers and his head is melded between two he's he's a butthead yeah, he literally. says oh I'm a butthead <laughs> hey Bill <laughs> This whole sequence is bananas. The Cleveland, Dr. Cleveland is the Joker. He's literally the Joker. Yeah. He's doing his best, like, oh, uh, oh, uh, oh, fuck, what is his name? The guy from uh, uh, the original 1960, uh, Cesar, Cesar Romero. Uh, he's doing his best Cesar Romero. He's, like, making jokes and, like, just leading and laughing into them. Uh, everyone's making weird jokes. It's so silly. Yeah, the, the psych... The psychiatrist is the Joker, and he turns his head into a giant hand. Yeah. Apparently, they can just control like the, the way they force into each other. Um, anyway, the, the, the Bill manages to goad Ferguson into a fight. As the aliens cheer Ferguson on, Bill subdued, and Ferguson attempts to suck him dry. And it's uh, it's a pretty great moment of subversion where. These two men are beating the crap out of each other. Everyone is cheering them on. Well, really, it's one-sided. Ted is beating the crap out of Bill. And then Ted's like, all right, I'm going to suck you. I forgot what he what the line is, but he kisses him. Mm-hmm. He full-on kisses him, and it's a death kiss. <laughs> but then it turns into even sillier in it. So now that Ferguson is sucking the life force out of Bill, he's, quote, pliable, unquote, which is a word that they used earlier when uh, Blanchard was, like, in the perfect mode. When they turn him to goop. Mm-hmm, like, when they could uh, best absorb him. Uh, so Ferguson's nice and pliable. Uh, I guess he got the idea from seeing the the judge do it to Blanchard, but Bill fists Ferguson and does the same thing where he reaches all the way up. And oh my God, I love this. I love this. I love this. Where he sticks his thumb out through his mouth and his fingers poke out his eyes like a bowling ball. And he's like holding him like a puppet only to pull him all the way back through his butt inside out. And there's, like, bugs all in him and things. And apparently he's not dead. People are saying, like, don't touch him until he's congealed um, or something like that. But, oh, man, this whole time, uh, Milo and Mrs. Uh, what is it? Mrs. Carolyn, Clarissa's mom, <laughs> are, like, you know, like, 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 um, Bob and Billy going around, like, like, hey, boss, uh, what should we do here? Oh, you. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, um, because uh, there's a cop and uh, he's Milo Six, uh, Mrs. Cl- God, I keep fucking it up. What is her name? 
uh, Mrs. Carolyn keeps uh, pushing Mrs. Do you have it written down on there? No, I don't. <laughs> Why don't do you keep looking name. at your paper? I've got a few, a few names, but that's not one of them. <laughs> Mrs. Carolyn loves hair so much that she's able to take down the police officer and rip out all of his hair uh, from the top of his head. Um, but uh, she she like saves the day by taking down Ferguson in the right moment, um, and that's what gives uh, gives them all gives them all the the ability to to escape. All by which I mean. Clarice, no, yeah, Clarice, right? Is that uh, her name? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Cl- Clarissa. Clarissa, Clarissa yeah. loves Bill, and even though she is 100% established that she is uh, part of the society, society, Ted likes her and keeps saying some things that imply that she's, you know, heavily in it, abandons it for Bill because she's, she's gotten a taste for them or whatever Ted the tycoon calls it. Um, and so, uh, after, okay, so. He tears him inside out. With the help of Milo and Clarissa, who's also of the alternate species but has fallen in love with Bill, he escapes as one of the men at the party, the judge, tells another, the dad, he may have an opening in Washington now that Ted is gone. And it's like, it's, it's like this... It's like, is he dead? Is he well, it's, it's like a... It's like a, a, a oh, I didn't even think about that because I forgot that they were like, oh, no, he's fine. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they'll just absorb him or something. He must be dead. But uh, uh, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. Um, oh, yeah where he, he's like um oh looks like i'll have another opening in washington <laughs> know what i mean and then it ends with that beautiful rendition of uh eton boat song a special arrangement performed by helen moore And that is our recap of the movie Society. When we come back, we're going to be talking about our analysis as well as our rating here on The Gory Days. The Gory Days! Okay, so these, we sell polyurethanes, uh, silicones, and epoxy systems. Okay, very cool. So this is your medium. This is your world. Yes. BB Enterprises? BJB, yes. BJB, Uh sorry about Uh that. No problem. Okay. So uh, why do you love horror? What brings you into this world? Well, you know what? We sell that just about every industry you can think of. It's just another market that we hit. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, how long have you been around? We've been around for about 40-something years, and we've been in films like uh, Jaws. Wow. You name it. All the special effects for, uh, well... Anything recent? All sorts of companies. Oh, yeah. Every Star Wars, like whatever. maybe a Quiet Place, were involved in that. Actually, I'm not. I'm not familiar oh, okay. with that. Oh, that's that. the John Krasinski. As far as the whole, okay, as far as the whole, I'm not up on all the genre stuff. Okay, this no is problem. kind of a different world for me. Oh, really? Where do you come from? Uh, product models. Basically, I had a, had a product model. Okay. Company, well, how come they sent you here? <laughs> well, no, I'm a tech sales guy for this company. Gotcha. How long yeah, have you been yeah, there? Yeah. So I've been here for five years. Okay. I've been in the industry for about 34 years. So. They take care of you. Oh yeah, they're great. Okay, good. Yeah, awesome. great company. Um, yeah, so this is exciting. What? Uh, so when people come here, what is the uh, pitch? What's the ideal? Because uh, I'm not seeing a ton well, a lot of, of people. Yeah, a lot of people are they're not familiar with the process. Right. I kind of fill them in. And a lot of people want to make something. They just don't know how it's done. So we have how-to videos and things on our website. Make it really easy be? for people to to uh, to learn. Sure. What's that website? It's bjbenterprises.com. Awesome. Okay, so yeah. uh, ideally for people who are trying to get into cosplay or maybe even making a movie themselves uh, would want to look you up. and uh, Yeah, you can okay. see our how-to videos. And then we have tech support, too, that you can call in and we can tell them how to select materials for their particular job. Mm-hmm. And um, 
that and combined with our how-to videos and we can uh, I've, I've done sketch I'll sketch out something or people will send us pictures of what they're trying to do mm-hmm. and we'll help them out very cool yeah so you personally have a relationship with horror do you enjoy the genre and the world or you know it's like I said it's not been honestly it's not my world I, I find it very interesting sure. this is very entertaining I think it's a lot of what, fun like more sci-fi fantasy yeah horror, no I just political dramas yeah, I just, I, it just, it's, like I said, this is a different world for me. Sure, so this no is, it's, it's been fun to be a part of it, though. Sure. Well, yeah. thanks a lot for your time. Yeah, Appreciate thank you. it. The Gory Days. Welcome back to The Gory Days. I'm Kyle, here with my guest, Mike. Our movie today is Society. So, right off the bat, I wrote down some uh, thoughts, specifically male versus female uh, objectification. It's not in balance in this movie, nor should I expect it to be. I was impressed that there was any it's male. It's a little close. Yeah. I was impressed that there was any male body objectification. Um, but man, it's you could call this like there's elderly body objectification. There's, there's just body exactly. There's just like a representation of all people, and I guess that's pretty great. I didn't even like expect this to go any deeper than that, but you're right. It kind of just represents anybody and everybody. I think the only person whose body we don't get to see in some kind of revealing fashion is uh, Mrs. Carl uh, as Clarissa's mom. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's something else I want to talk about. Is like she made me uncomfortable, not because of her character. Excuse me, but because of the way the actress was being portrayed here, and I just, uh, I felt like like this this gets away because it's in the eighties, but this is problematic. Like big women being portrayed as like hulking and dumb, and yeah, that's 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 problematic. Wait, was, she, was she also the nurse? Was that the same no. actress? No, it was a different one. No. Okay. But yeah, she she was. I don't get her. I don't. Yeah, get, I, I don't understand she's the character. Not an alien. She must be an alien. But she's like the dumbest one, and she fights her own kind. I, and I don't get it. No one really knows that much about her. Yeah, I don't get it either. Yeah. Um. But yeah, full on sex scenes. Uh, the sister gets objectified a ton, especially in the early in the oh, beginning. Yeah. And God, that poor actress. Um, I want to make sure that. Oops. I mean, Billy walks in on her in the shower and. Oh. She all but covers up. And yeah, see. poor Patrice Jennings. God, that shower, like, they, they're just holding the camera on her, and she's like, get out of here. It's just, I feel bad for that. It was, I feel bad for, for, for people in uh, these kinds of positions if they're... Uh, that's assuming they, they don't... Assuming they don't want right. to do that. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. I guess that's just as problematic to assume that, uh, oh, no woman in their right mind would ever want to be uh, look like that. Who knows where their mothers will see them. Um, the police mentioned something in their second uh, appearance. They He pushes Billy in uh, verbally and says, Is it really that hard for you being rich? And so before we know that he's uh, the police officer is also part of the high society, I felt like it kind of evokes the, you know, the idea of class structure. Yeah, he's also like, I think the line was like, aren't you, is it boredom or something like that that's driving you to do? All these crazy things. Because he, he brings the cop into like what he thinks is a murder scene. The cop's like, well, you made this thing up sort of thing. At, at that point, we think, oh, wow, maybe this cop is just a regular cop. Yeah, I definitely thought he was. I thought he wasn't part of the society. I thought he was just uh, an, a guy who hates delinquents. He's right. a cop in this like Hollywood uh, or this Beverly Hills town, I'm sure. you know, Especially rich people. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I feel like we should take a step back because the big one here, obviously the movie's called Society. The people in it are Society. It, it's, it's 
it's supposed to be a dis- deconstruction of this class imbalance of, of elitist, rich, upper class people who look down on poor or uh, yeah, poor people because that, that how much you make uh, extends all to all well, of these things. I guess it's like the society of like high, it's like uh, this guy's like a senator or something in Washington, and mm-hmm. these are like the super wealthy in there. It's like a country club. Uh, yeah, it's like the 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 super the elites, elites, the Richard Bransons, yeah. the Elon Musks, the Trumps, the people who go you know to these million dollar golf courses and drink uh, you know thousand dollar cocktails or uh, wear you know million dollar uh, watches or things like that. These people who who just throw money around. People who use summer as a verb. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, these people who in the real world, I mean, let's like, let's, let's look at it. Let's, let's break it down. The people in society are, they're not aliens. I feel like that's really important is they are quote unquote. Is it really important? I think it is, is that they're not an invader because if they were aliens, then that's suddenly a very different uh, uh, yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, because then it's suddenly like, oh, they came here from another place and they're taking our jobs, and now they're incepting themselves into our elites. Like, no, they are the elite. They they are the people who run the world, and they are this this different. They're different, right. and that, well, they're that, also terrestrial. That idea of like you, you have to be born like us. You'll never be one of us. You're you're not one of us if you don't fit. You don't fit in. It's just good genes, really. Right. Like all of these lines that are supposed to be, you know, like tongue in cheek. They're they're the they're the meat of what these these monsters are. That yeah, no pun inte- intended. That it's that it's this that I I honestly believe that there are some people who like think themselves. A, a, a human and certain people of of certain financial demographics as like gnats or vermin, literal pests, and they consider them as such. And it's like, get, no, not in my town. Get them out of here. Like generalizing them, 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 they instead of people because they're not people. They're they're sub people, whereas I'm a person. Um, and this one takes it in the opposite direction than that. Obviously, we're people, and people are people. But these, they think themselves so much higher, like literally. And and so it's validated in this movie, uh, just like it's validated in real life by the fact that these poor, that the rich literally sustain themselves literally their life force is is given to them by the poor in a much similar way as financially the rich have money because of the poor they've uh the the i'm talking about the the bad ones obviously there are some generous people with a lot of money bill gates um is the first one that comes to mind i wish i could think of some other really generous people uh but that's not what we're talking about today we're talking about the despicable monsters that are gouging the entire world with their greed um this is the only reason they they even have the son is to like they're kind of raising him as cattle in a way they adopted him that's another question is we have no idea where he came from i Mm -hmm. assume they shunted his parents (laughs) and uh took his took him in to you know like a pig like you 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 raise them and you like like a farm animal yeah like you not fatten him up but you like i don't i don't know why they liked him so much because it seems like they he was only a nuisance 
Um, but this, the, the sucking the life force reflects the real world abuse of poor people. Just, just last week we were talking about the 13th amendment, uh, the abuse of the 13th amendment and, uh, subsequent prisoners who are on strike still as of this recording. Um, the rich are literally siphoning the life of the poor in that situation. These poor people in prisons could have opportunities and could live in such a way that may rehabilitate them. The rich don't want that. They want their money. They want whatever money they can get off of their misery and their, their death sometimes. Um, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's money to be made in lethal injection. In fact, I think it's one of the things that takes the most money away from, uh, government institutions and things like that. But this movie is a representation of that, Mm -hmm. a literal manifestation of the rich eating the poor. Um, and and, uh, I think that's one of the lines. In fact, when he, uh, was like licking Billy or something like that, or Bill. Billy is the actor's real name, so that's why it's a... Uh, oh, is that it? It's Billy Warlock? Yeah. The next one is Paranoia. The mm, idea yeah. that this movie is like a Rosemary's Baby buildup of, yeah. like, who who's real? Who's telling the truth here? Who's in on it? What's going on? I mentioned at the earlier in the show that I didn't get to experience this as much as I would have liked because a long time ago I was watching Watch Mojo Top Ten Body Horror just like I said and sure enough that scene was there I went on YouTube saw the entirety of it and so knew right so from the get go this yeah. was real but if you didn't I got to experience it as like a psycho scene going mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. I was like oh is this happening is this real is he imagining this yeah so so like was was Milo telling Telling him that I saw it too, a relief, or was it further like, oh, I don't know if I want to trust him. Yeah, yet. maybe Milo's weird too. I, I want. No. I feel like you don't know until the very last moment, like really until Clarissa and uh, them are running out. Because I want to believe Clarissa when she's in the shunting scene and she's like, no, I don't want to be a part of this. Um, but uh, it still doesn't explain like why he sees like worms and stuff just everywhere but. no they eat them i guess is like they eat slugs and they eat worms and they enjoy that there's a scene earlier in the movie where they're where mom and dad are uh like appreciating a platter platter of slugs and uh later yeah it's it's uh, validated at the end where it's like oh there's a waiter going around with a plate of slugs um yeah but uh yeah the paranoia the long long slow burn the idea oh that's that's why I like this movie so much. I respond to any kind of underdog story. The idea of everything stacked against you and you holding on to your conviction and knowing what's right. Uh, I feel like that's a really uh, appealing trope. The idea of like, oh, when it's the Captain America thing or it's like, oh, no, you when the world tells you to move and you know what's right, you plant yourself like a tree of righteousness by the river of truth and you say, no, you move. Um, and honestly, just that in a vacuum is problematic. You should be a little more open-minded to other ideas and maybe, maybe you don't move, but you start a dialogue instead of also being as rigid. Cause then you just end up with two trees next to each other. Um, but this, this, ugh, I love this, the idea of somebody like no one, is, no one believes them and it's just them and it's just them against it all. Um, 
I really identify with that. So this this was a fun one. That paranoia of like you can't trust your parents, you can't trust your sister, you, you, you might not even be able to trust like your best friend, your girlfriend. Um, I don't think we ever find out if she was part of the society. I assume not no, no, because she would have so. been invited to Ted Ferguson yeah. and she would have you know been acting like it. Yeah. Um, she, you think she wanted to be part of that world? I don't. That's a good question. I couldn't tell if she knew or no, not. No, I, I doubt she knew, I but she, she wanted to be. Oh, she wanted to be part of high society. Right. That's 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 the thing. Is everyone wants to? Of course, you want to. Uh, like it's just I I want to believe there's a balance between having money enough to be comfortable enough for your kids to be comfortable and being evil i hope that there's a middle ground where like oh maybe i don't have to send my kids to the absolute best private school maybe i can send them to the sixth best private school and i'll give some of that money to an organization that's fighting a thing that or regular public schools so i don't know about that no no uh, no give the money to them. oh yeah. oh yeah. Maybe if my kids are going there. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, we can do that. But see, that's, that's the thing is it's hard to fight, like, especially from the outside looking in. I don't think, a, I, I don't know if a, a rich person like who, who lives in Beverly Hills would enjoy this movie without any irony. I feel like it's so in your face with like the kind of mentality like the judge with his big cigar and the the uh, dad his blonde hair and his tux and uh the mom with all of her makeup and stuff um just for her uh all for it to all come to a peak where she's like i'm not your real mother just like to lose all of that um I be, like there's a myth there's a mythology to money and rich people and like the idea of oh they they were enjoying a, a thing on a whole nother echelon than we even are privy to like they get invited to like yacht parties in the middle of the ocean and in international waters where all kinds of stuff happens they go to yeah like hostel like that the movie where it's like oh we're so rich we murder other people for our enjoyment this is that same thing the idea of the of being part of 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 something bitter bigger than the rest of the world is privy to and it usually being there's usually a reason for that it's because like the activity that the rich people enjoy somehow reflects their lack of humanity or the 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 innocence they they've like I, I feel like there are two losses of innocence in a person's life. There's, you know, the loss of innocence from going from childhood to adulthood, but then there's the loss of innocence of like of losing of either gaining a respect for mortality or a lack of respect, but mortality and accepting or disrespecting it. Um, and so it's like it it it, it reflects that in that oh the rich are so desensitized because of their wealth oh they enjoy the finest things all the time that they, it just needs to get better and better until they're killing people for yeah, sport. It's, it's almost like, uh, like the most dangerous game. Reminds me of the movie we went to, the Hell like Hellraiser. Hellraiser, yeah, yeah. It uh, it's reflected. It's a great trope. The idea that money corrupts and uh, like corrupts your or just soul. Pleasures, you keeping pursuing, keep pursuing pleasures. Yeah, more but more what do pleasures cost? Mm -hmm. Money, money, lots yeah. of money, yeah. and uh, that's where these people are heavily rewarded. And I love the implication that it is. It's in the White House, mm -hmm. and it's everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it's that it's if if. 
it, it's it's the man. It's the system. It's everything that you've believed was standing against you. It's high society. It's the society of disgusting, otherworldly, Oedipal, incestuous monsters that gallivant around as people, but they're not like us, and they never will be. And the only thing they're interested in us is is our money. It makes me think of uh, this this. Uh, well, in this case, literal flesh. Yeah, or or your flesh, your yeah. your life force. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I was gonna I was gonna bring up the Nike uh, Kaepernick uh, fiasco thing that's going on, but uh, I don't think we have time for that. So uh, the final thing that we like to do here on the Gory Days is rate our movie based on a scale of one to five thumbs, one being the worst and five being the best. Uh, it's not based on that. Sorry, that is the scale, but it's based on whatever we want it to be, simply in a vacuum or comparatively to all other films in history, whatever we want. Mike, what'd you think of Society? So when I, when I first was saying it, I thought it was like a very serious movie because he starts off with um, with a with a butcher's hand or like a, a knife in his hand and reminded me very much of Psycho or American Psycho, and then I see like this incestuous family and a lot of like secret sexual stuff. I don't know, and I kept thinking like, oh, this, this must either be a clone or homage to Eyes Wide Shut. Ah. And then the tone kind of changes to be more comedic. <laughs> and then I don't know what happens. Um, yeah, I, I think, I mean, there's clearly the, there's a society theme to it. But I think it's like, I don't know, I, I see it more like a Rocky Horror picture. So yeah. it's like this weird thing. Which some people might really like, and some people are like, what is this? What am I watching right now? The definition of a cult classic. Yeah, which I was more in the second group than sure. the first, so I don't know. That's good. We get each side of the mm-hmm. of the decisive of the derisive movie. Um, right. So how many thumbs? <sighs> I'll give it one because uh, if if you're in the mood for a uh, a horror porno that's funny, yeah, like a soft porn that's funny, then yeah, maybe check this out. I'll give the one thumb to uh, um, the goop that is, um, what's his friend's name? I guess. Uh, oh, Blanchard? Blanchard. Oh, that yeah. just pile? Yeah, one of... thumb. Super gross, yeah. Or, or, or I really love the, um, the, the what is it, the, uh, what was the butt thing? What do you call him? Butt. Butthead. Butthead, yes. Really nice, um, like, prosthetic thing. There's his head is into this fake butt skin thing. It's it looks really cool. Um, so yeah, one butt up. Yeah, and I like how he gets that one last punch in and then says (laughs) butt head one more time before they hop out in the car. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How about you? I love this movie. I this is the re, this is the movie. This is the kind of movie I made this podcast for. I love it. And there's two big reasons that make me hesitant to give it all five thumbs. One of them being all of the gratuitous heterosexual sex scenes and all of that. I'm simply not interested and it bores me to tears. And and Clarissa's mom, she is the most bizarre thing. She honestly just pisses me off. She makes me uncomfortable. She's supposed to be comedic relief in this just cuckoo bananas climax. Um, and every every time she shows up, she makes me uncomfortable and she feels weird. That being said, I'm going to give this movie. 
five thumbs. What? The first movie on the gory days <laughs> that I've ever given five thumbs to. And that means I've got a lot of thumbs to give away. And I'm going to give all five thumbs to Blanchard, who's <laughs> definitely going to have them all stuffed inside yeah. him somewhere. He's definitely got He got one of mine as well. Absolutely. He's, he's up to six he's thumbs now. He's got six thumbs sticking out of all kinds of side of him. Well, mm, that's all the time we have here on the Gory Days. Mike, you simply must join us oh, summering in the yachtings of... Uh, summering in the yachtings of Alaska. Mm, but otherwise, from us here on the Gory Days to Ooh. Mm, stay scary out there. Mm. The gory days. The gory days. The gory days.